Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the This morning, if you want to go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 15 for our primary text today. And I'm not going to go through all the scripture this morning, but I would encourage you to take this passage home and to read through it this week. Let God speak to you. Uh, but I'm going to take some highlights from the passage today, and I'm going to preach uh, continuing on the power of his resurrection, talking about the story of Naaman. Today and, and just a basic summary of the story, Naaman is a Syrian officer, he has leprosy, and he really has no hope, but as he is talking this over in his household, there is a servant girl that is in his house, and she says, if only you were at uh, with the prophet in Samaria, he could heal you of your leprosy. And so he goes on a journey to find Elisha, and Elisha tells him to go down to the river Jordan to dip seven times in the river and he'll be made clean. And we're going to talk about that story today. But I would encourage you again to read through it this week and to just let the Lord speak to you through that passage. When I set out to preach this passage, I discovered that the text really represents two things uh, when it comes to uh, the power of His resurrection, the relationship to the power of the resurrection. The first is very obvious in the text. It is... It is resurrection power given to overcome sickness and disease. There has, Jesus has secured for us the victory over sickness and disease. You don't believe me. I said Jesus has secured for us the power to overcome sickness and disease this morning. And so if you're here today and you're fighting a battle in that area, I want you to know and I want you to be encouraged that Jesus went to the cross at Calvary. He took stripes on His back so that you could be healed from that sickness, from that disease, from that infirmity, whatever it is in your physical body that is trying to hold you down and keep you bound. Jesus died and was raised again so you could be delivered from that this morning. Amen? Amen. And so it's clear that the, the text represents that reality, that there has been power given to overcome sickness and disease. The, the resurrection power has been given to the church to overcome sickness and disease. And we believe, we believe in healing. We believe uh, in that message. And that message in the text is clearly obvious and it really preaches itself. And so what I want to do today is I want to really focus in on the second thing that I find that the text reveals concerning resurrection power. It's less obvious, and it is the thing that I feel like God has challenged me to bring to you this morning. And that is this, that resurrection power operates in us through complete surrender to God. When we completely surrender to God, and only when we completely surrender to God, can we ever expect resurrection power, the promises of God, to really be released and operate in our lives. Resurrection power is always designed to bring us from barrenness to fruitfulness. 
to bring us into the fullness that has been promised to us in Scripture. Now, I don't know about you. You probably have more faith and probably a little more determination than sometimes I do. But when I read the Scripture and I hear about God talking about that we have joy unspeakable and full of glory, that His burden is is easy and His yoke is light, that He has given us healing in our bodies, and yet I don't see those things playing out around me, and sometimes I don't see those things certainly playing out in my own life, I tend to get a little frustrated and a little discouraged. But I realize today, and I hope that you will realize with me this morning, that the reason that we don't tap into the promises of God is not because He is slack concerning His promises. It's not because His promises have no effect to change our lives. It's because we fail to surrender fully to God's plan and submit ourselves to what God has designed for our lives and we hold ourselves a little back from Him. Consequently, we hold ourselves back from experiencing what God has for us. And so that's what I want to preach to you today. When we read about healing, it's clearly resurrection power, but it's resurrection power operating on us. Hear me. The second that we find in the scripture is resurrection power operating in us. Now we are really good as a people of letting God's power operate on us. But I think that where we fail and where we struggle and where we really come up short is that we we neglect to let the power of God operate in us. Operating on us keeps the focus on us. Power operating on us keeps the focus on us, but power operating in us puts the focus on others and it puts the focus on Christ who is the source of that power. And so what I'm saying to you in real simple terms this morning is we have no problem coming and getting prayed for. We have no problem saying, you know, I need the church to pray for me that God would heal me. We, I, need, I need somebody to t- pray for me that God would deliver me out of this financial mess. I need God to pray for me, somebody to pray for me that God would help me in my marriage. I need somebody to pray for me that God would get me out of this situation. But when it comes to the power of God operating in us, that demands a lot more of me. It doesn't take much other than a little faith and a little courage to walk down and trust that somebody can lay hands on you and trust that God will operate on you, that His power will operate on you to some effect. But it's another thing altogether when we carry in us the very essence and power of Jesus Christ and we cease to become those being served and start being those that serve. Instead of being the one that's being prayed for, I'm the one doing the praying. I'm the one laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. I'm the one giving the encouraging word that brings somebody into joy. I'm the one that helps somebody along in their journey. And I'm not always coming to get, but I'm coming to give something back to the kingdom. The church will never be what the church was designed and meant to be as long as we are content to let resurrection power operate on us and not in us. And so today, it's, that's what I want to get to this morning. And I just feel strongly the authority of Christ in the message today. And I'm going to say some strong things to the church this morning. But I'll, although I am the mouthpiece, hear me, I am among you also as a hearer. Okay? 
I'm not trying to say that I'm elevated at a higher level this morning because I'm just the mouthpiece. But the fact is, this message preaches to me as much, if not more, than anybody in this room. I need to hear this for my own life, not just preach it for others. And so we're, we're equal today. Amen? Amen. Too many of us are content to let resurrection power work on us and have yet to find the surrender necessary to let resurrection power work in us. The in you demands complete control of the vessel. And this is a hard thing for everybody. But listen to me today. This is the kind of thing that holds us in futility. In other words, it's the thing that holds us in a fruitless life. We tend to focus on what we need rather than what God needs from us. And the last I read in my passage, my scriptures, is that we are the servants and not Him. We tend to focus on what we need rather than what God needs from us. And we are called to be the servants, not Him. God, fix my problem. Take care of my mess. Straighten everything up around me. What we fail to realize this morning is that when we move from the fruitless life to the fruitful one, from a barren womb to a fertile one, that in that lies the power to produce everything that we have need of. That power, however, is never rooted in us, but it is rooted in Christ and it is only experienced when we have laid to rest our will, our desire, our wants, and are raised with Christ in His purpose the scripture tells us in John 15 5 apart from me you can do nothing Jesus speaking but it says with him I can do all things through Christ in Philippians 4 13 apart from him I can do nothing but with him and in him and he in me we can do anything there is no limit to what God can do from a yielded person who will surrender their lives fully to God, allow Him to fill them with what He chooses to fill them with and trust Him to produce and change in the environment around them. We have to truly learn how to live that Philippians 4.13 promise. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who gives me strength. There are a great many Christians and a great many Christians in this room Today And dare I say all of us in this room today, who although they have come to Christ, they have only come in part. Although they have surrendered to Christ, they have only surrendered in part. We need a continued Jordan experience to complete the surrender process. The part that you have reserved for yourself is the part that Christ demands and the resurrection power demands. We will never experience what we read about in God's Word without a total surrender to God. Let's go to verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. 
The first point today is that resurrection power demands we acknowledge our true condition. Resurrection power demands that we acknowledge our true condition. The text says, He was a great and honorable man, that he brought victory to Syria, that he was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Can I just ask today, and, I, and again, I'm on the same level playing field that you're on. I, I don't want to stand up here as though I have achieved something that you have yet to achieve. We all struggle in this same area. We all are fighting the same battle. And it is very much my desire that I would yield to the scripture and to the words that I am speaking to myself this morning. And that God would begin to transform, transform me from the inside out as well. But what is your true condition today? What is your true condition today? Well, pastor, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Well, pastor, I'm a greeter. I'm a great husband. I'm a great businessman. I'm a wonderful mother. That's great, but what else? I'm good at all these things. Naaman was an honorable man, the scripture says. He was great. He brought victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. But what else was he? Well, pastor, I'm also a liar. I'm also a fornicator, a cheater, a manipulator, a drinker, a homosexual, a moocher, a complainer. Because the fact is, what follows the but in the scripture is the problem. But a leper. And that's the problem. The problem is not that he's a great and honorable man, that he brought victory. The fact is, all of us could sit here and we could talk about all the good things that we've done. But if we don't address the condition of the heart, if we don't address the condition of our soul, if we don't address the hidden things, then God can never use us and bring us into the fullness that He promises. It's very much God's desire to bring us into that fullness but it requires us to address the condition. Pastor, you're being religious. No, sir. No, ma'am, I'm not. Religion never demands anything internal. It only demands that the outside look good. And what I'm talking to you, what I'm talking to you about today is things that cannot even be seen by anyone but you. This is what's being called out this morning. We have bought into an idea that the gospel is not supposed to be confrontational. Our society demands that we have a certain level of tolerance that goes beyond what is reasonable and what is right. A tolerance that says you may remain in your condition and I have no right to say anything about it. But the fact is the gospel is very confrontational. The gospel always takes us to a place where we are confronted with our sin and we are confronted with a need for a Savior to come and deliver us out of our condition and out of our sin. I don't care what any of us think. I don't care what I feel about the situation. There is a standard of right that is beyond me and above me. And if I don't align myself with that standard of right, I am going to fall short constantly of what God wants to do in my life. The essence of the gospel is to confront sin in the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. 
And until we all recognize and acknowledge and deal with that, with what follows the accomplishments of our lives, until we deal with the true condition of our hearts, we will always be relegated to read of His miracles and never experience any. To read of His power and never operate in it. To sing of His glory and never share in it. Verse 17 tells us a little bit of something about Naaman. It tells us that he served many gods. I think that one of the greatest conditions exercising limitations on the church today is that Christians are polytheistic when they claim to be monotheistic. Christians are really those that serve multitudes of gods when they claim to really serve only one God. What do you mean, Pastor? What is it that is taking you away from being what God has called you to be. We claim to serve one God when in reality we serve many. We serve our jobs. We serve our hobbies. We serve our own will. We serve our own motives. We serve all of these things. And anything that takes place before God is a God to you. Is a God to me. But I think the greatest rival God in the church to God Himself is the God of self. That I am my first God and God is my second. If I don't want it, if I'm not moved to do it, if I don't want it, then I refuse it. Naaman says, I'm all of these things, these great and wonderful things. I'm everything that a person could want you to be, but I am a leper. Naaman, in our text, represents the condition of all of us. We are many things that are good. We, we, have, we have great people. And this is not a message to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm not really trying to do that. But what I am doing is challenging all of us, myself included, to not hold anything back from God. I'm not content to only experience Him in part. I'm not content to only experience part of His promise, part of His blessing, part of the, the, the words that are spoken over us. I want to experience the whole. And I know that if we are to experience the whole, the fullness, then we have to release everything we are into His hands. With all that can be said concerning Naaman, his greatness, his reputation, his position, his ability, his success, death is still working in him. Death has still gripped him. Death is still working in his life. And with all that can be said about him, he still struggles with this issue. Despite everything he possesses, there is a serious lack. He is plagued with a limitation. And he is stuck in fruitlessness. And like Naaman, you may have a lot going for you. But find yourself not going fully into all that He has promised. There is something that holds me back, Pastor, or 
I'm saying to you there's something that holds me back and I can't seem to break free from this on my own. What is it going to take for me to get over the hump? What is it going to take for me to get into the place of God's promises? What is it going to take for me to finally break through to the next level life that I've been hearing you preach about, hearing you talk about, and I've been reading about? That's what we're trying to go to. The purpose of the resurrection power is to bring us into fullness, but it demands, it demands that we acknowledge our condition before the one who can redeem us from it. If we refuse to deal with the hidden parts, we will never step into the place that God's trying to take us. Pastor, this is strong, I know. You ought to have been the one trying to write it out. I had to stop every few minutes just to repent. Because the fact is, there's parts, there's parts in my life that I'm holding back and I know it keeps me stuck in a fruitless place. You get a little, but you never go on into fullness. I'm not content to live in that life anymore. I want to see our church be the church that God keeps saying we can be. I want to see you become the person that God has said you can be. I want to be the man that God has called me to be. And I'm not going to stay limited forever. We read on in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2-7, through 7, and it tells us again that the servant girl, she says to Naaman's wife, there's a prophet in Samaria that can heal him of leprosy. So the king of Syria sends a letter to the king of Israel asking him to heal Naaman of leprosy. Elisha overhears the conversation and says, send him to me. And so this is where we are in verse 9. Then Naaman... Verse 9, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abinah and the Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. The second point that I want to make to you, the first one is that we acknowledge our true condition. The second point is that resurrection power demands complete and total surrender. It will not settle for anything less than that. God will not settle for anything less than than total and complete surrender. He shows up, Naaman shows up at Elisha's house with his entourage. He shows up with great formality. He's used to being highly esteemed and highly valued. He's used to being somebody. He's used to commanding a presence around him. He's used to walking into a place and everybody going, oh wow, there's Naaman. He just stepped into the room. We need to pay attention. This is what he's used to. And so he comes to Elisha in the only way that he's used to. He comes as a man of valor. He comes as the great and honorable man. But he should be coming as a leper. The honorable man's not the problem. The fact that he's a great man of valor is not the problem. The problem is the condition. And the condition is he's a leper. Lepers never command a presence. Lepers never walk into the room and people go, oh wow, there's a leper in a good way. They only say it in a bad way. Oh my God, there's a leper. 
And so he comes as something. But the cross always demands that we come as nothing. He comes as something, but the cross demands that we come as nothing. It is not in pride that our condition is healed. It is in humility that we find deliverance. We can never expect God to work in our situation if we come to Him in pride. If we don't admit who we are, what we are, and come to Him with humility. What a struggle it is so many times for us to see people coming to the altars. Why? Because we are holding on to the idea of of who we are in the natural instead of just acknowledging and admitting before a God that we are a people in need of a Savior to deliver us and to bring us out. I don't want anybody to know that i got a problem. I don't want anybody to know that I've not got it all together. The fact is, leprosy is clearly seen. And you've got digits that are falling off because leprosy is eating away at you. And you may act like nobody knows, but the fact is, everybody already knows. And even if they don't, God knows. And if you want it fixed, if I want it fixed, it comes through humbly coming before the Lord who can change our condition. Naaman also comes with a great deal of expectation of how this is going to go down. When he gets there, verse 10 tells us that Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. Again, he comes in pride before the prophet. And the word of God tells us in James 6 that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 11 tells us that Naaman became furious. I have never been treated so poorly in all of my life. Elisha doesn't even come out. He just sends his messenger. And then he tells him, go wash in a dirty river and you'll be made clean. Nathan, or Naaman, is furious. He is frustrated. He says, indeed I said to myself, expectation, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Surely when he sees me come with my entourage, he's going to be awed by that. What an opportunity for it, is, it is for him to come out and do something for me. And you know, that's the way we treat God. God, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to do something for me. God, it's just, you know, I'm giving you a chance to work in my life. I'm giving you a chance to do something for me. Me, me, me. When do we actually approach God as a servant... And say, God, I'm here to do something for you. I'm coming not asking for anything other than an opportunity to serve your kingdom. And to do something for you. God resists the proud. God also resists the expectation of the flesh. But he always responds to the cry of the heart. The expectations of the flesh are come out, wave your hand over the spot, show me honor. Fix my problem. I have leprosy, but leave my condition alone. Just make me feel better about it. Leave my condition alone. Just make me feel better about it. 
I'll come into the altars and I want you to fix my marriage. But just stop at the marriage. Don't fix me as the problem in the marriage. Fix my finances, God. But don't fix me as someone who constantly robs from you and doesn't do you honor in giving. God resists the expectation of the flesh, but He responds to the cry of the heart. Wave your hand over the spot. Show me honor. Fix my problem. Leave my condition alone, however. The cry of the heart is, I am a leper and I need to be made into something else. Naaman's difficulty represents our acceptance of the full implications of the cross. Hear me. He can accept the fact that he is seriously in need. He can accept the fact that his need might very well require him to go in a certain direction. He was willing to leave Syria, go to Samaria to actually meet the prophet. He was willing to go to a certain point. And Naaman is prepared to go so far in that direction to have his need met. But then faces the full implication of what that direction means. And he finds himself at a point that he is unwilling to accept all those implications. Do you see the church in the text? Do you see yourself in the text? I will go to a point but only to a point. When it demands I remove myself from my position of pride and it requires that I stand in a position of humility, I'm done. As long as I can dictate some terms of agreement, I'm okay. But at the point complete surrender is required, I walk away furious. When the prophet says in verse 10, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. That's the last straw. That's it. I'm done. Do you not know who I am? There's no way that a person of my stature, my quality, my greatness would ever set foot in a dirty Jordan River. And how dare you not even come out and talk to me? Humility. Humility. The key to Naaman's victory is twofold. It's obedience, but it is obedience rooted in humility. When I come to the place that I determine surrender is beneath me, I have reached a point where my condition can no longer be healed. This is the place where I am confronted with what Paul refers to as the offense of the cross. It demands of me things I think are beneath me, things that I refuse to give up. It demands complete and total surrender. And if you're not in part, if your flesh is not in part offended by the demands of the cross, you've not gone far enough. Because I can assure you that God will always demand whatever that is that we want to hold close and dear to our hearts the thing that we want to keep as our pet sin, the thing that we want to keep as our hidden stuff, 
God is going to expect that and require that if we are to go into a deeper place with Him every single time. If I don't completely surrender Him, then I will remain stuck in my condition with very limited access to His promise. Amber, would you come this morning? Resurrection power demands I acknowledge my true condition and it demands that I completely and totally surrender to Christ. Get rid of the expectations of the flesh and cry out to Him from our heart. We cannot be content to only experience the power of God at work on us on occasion. But we have to go to the place that God's power is working in us all the time. That everywhere we go, we carry in us the very power and presence of Jesus Christ. And that everywhere we go, the dead things around us are brought back to life because of that power that is working in us and through us. I am calling on each of you, on myself, to step into a fruitful life. To advance beyond limitations and step into God's promised land for each and every one of us. God has a promised land for all of us. God has a place of fullness for every single person in this room. And He's trying to get us there. But it requires us to acknowledge where we are, what we lack, what we're holding on to, and completely and totally surrender those things to God. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burke Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.